No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world, and today we got the one and only Mixed by Ali on here. What's going on, brother? It's Thank a moment. It's a very big moment. Thank you for having me, man. It's I've been a... watching the show for so many years, man. Thank you for having me. Wow, really? That's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. We've had a lot of producers on here, but I don't think we've ever touched the, the engineers of the world. Right, right. It's a new day. You know what I'm saying? That's why we're here, is to shed light on those, uh, those people completing that trifecta and creating a record. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think that it's very important that the kids out there know that they're are a lot of different ways that they can make a living out of the music business aside from just being the rapper. Because a lot of people are out here trying to be a rapper and they should not be trying right. to be a rapper. That's a fact, man. I mean, that's that's one of the goals. I try rapping. It wasn't it. I try producing. I, I do produce at times, but, you know, my passion really lies with taking parts apart and, you know, just bringing them back together, adding different elements and stuff like that. So it's more of like the creation building process that I love the most about it. Interesting. Okay, so take us back to the early days. You were born where? Uh, Gardena, California, born and raised. Uh huh. 1989, uh, went to Gardena High, you know what I'm saying, product of Gardena. Okay. Yeah. And what, how would you describe the, the upbringing over there? I've been to the skate park over there a few times. I don't know if I got the Raleigh. full picture. Yeah, yeah, Raleigh. I mean, it was decent. I mean, Gardena, uh, you know, it's a beautiful city, you know what I'm saying? It has its ups and downs like any other city. Uh huh. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, it really made me who I am, you know, just the school, the community, uh, the homies, you know. Right. Yeah. How were your parents? Uh, parents, so I was raised by my grandparents, so oh, I'm okay. half Polish and half Liberian. Really? Um, so that was one different thing, that, that stigma of uh, not being confident because you go outside the house and it's all the homies look like this, but then you come home eating sauerkraut and, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> dumplings and stuff, and it's like, okay, bet, like, I got to figure this out. Damn, yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. So did you did you know your parents, or, or yeah, what yeah, was that I, relationship I knew like? my mom. Uh, you know, I had a relationship with my dad, but, you know, you know it's average circumstances, you know what I'm saying, it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they weren't able to really care for me, so my mm -hmm. grandmother came in and kind of stepped in and took over. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So there was like a weird cultural difference from them because both, both this was the Polish side yeah. of, your, of your lineage. Right, right, right. Very much so culture. They, you know, they escaped Poland to escape the war. Wow. Um, so, you know, just their whole mind state of, you know, how they expected me to be raised, you know, it was more of, you know, hey, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. But then I'm leaving the house and they're not knowing this other side of like the people I'm hanging out with and like, yo, like being a doctor and a lawyer is not in my future, you know? So mm. just that context and contrast of, you know, uh, just figuring out the identity of like who you really are just growing up in the streets and having a home that you can't really relate to, you know what I'm saying? And that is such an interesting idea of like a, a kid being raised by his grandparents because there's like a whole generation missing right. there. A lot of times parents don't understand what their kids are going through, but with yeah. the grandparents, there's even an additional like 20, 30 years in there of that, them not really understanding what's going facts, on. Facts. Even just how they were raised, like, you know what I'm saying, escaping the war, like being yeah. in camps, you know what I'm saying, Stalin camps in like the early times of the war. Like, so, you know, their perspective of, of life is completely different from, you know, somebody who's, who's, who's you know, growing up in the States. 100%. Yeah. So from your perspective, like, wh what was it like for you kind of going through this process of going from a from a kid to a man in L.A.? Like, you know, there's a lot of weird influences yeah. and pressure and stuff. It must have been quite tricky. Pressure definitely was was was, was a way to put it. Uh, a lot of pressure. And again, just being a kid, you know, not confident in who he really is. Mm. So being influenced, you know, what I'm saying very fast on good and bad shit, you know. So it was a lot of like finding myself and understanding my comfortability level in just life, you know, mm. dealing with going through situations, failing at it. Okay, boom, that's not the route I want to go. Trying something else, falling in love with it, but still having to find a way to make money. Okay, bet. I like this, but let's still hit these streets and figure it out. You know, it's like a Rubik's Cube, you know, constantly trying to just find those colors that match. Mm. Were you drawn to music from early on? Um, I think it was more the process of creating music. Like, you know, I, w I didn't come from like a musically inclined family, mm. you know, but it was the more like I was one of those ADHD, ADHD kids that 
would like take an RC car apart just to see how it works. Really? Ends up breaking it. But that's you know, a good it, sign right you know there. I think, for so, a kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, from that, when I was able to really take a song apart and put it back together, I'm like, bet, like I found my shit. You Do know? you remember the first shit that you were listening to that really got you enamored with hip hop or music in general? Man, it's crazy because like you know, growing up with my grandparents, you know, she definitely didn't listen to any rap or any pop music. It was uh, I listened to a lot of ABBA. Really? You know, our grandparents, she was driving down, taking me to middle school, elementary school, just blasting, like, ABBA and shit. I'm so, not mad at that. I think that's a good it's influence. It's fire. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, it's a great way to start. Uh, but obviously, I'm influenced by the West Coast. You know, Pac Dre, mm. Snoop, like, that really was a soundtrack to, like, my early, 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 you know, upbringing. Um, and then my brother, you know, he was heavy into, like, import, like, Japanese cars and stuff. So, you know, he was in the techno scene <clears> heavy. So I think, you know, subconsciously, it kind of played a big, a big part in how I create music, just how... You, you know, had a lot of influences. A lot of different textures. A lot yeah. of kids might only hear rap or, right. or not really be exposed to that much shit. You had all this different right. eras sort of coming together. Exactly. It's interesting. So it was like a like a petri dish of just different different things that I could sample or you know find uh, inspiration from. When you I know. think about why I give a fuck about hip hop so much, I just think about being like nine years old and hearing like the G Funk sound, yeah. and Doggy Style, and the Chronic, etc. And that really turned me out. Like 100%. that was the whole thing of like I don't know anything about this, but I know this is the best sounding right. thing I've ever heard. It felt great, and that's like that's 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 my whole thing, which is like the old school West Coast music. It's just like the feeling it had, and that just takes me to like just why I love what I do so much. Just seeing how like a Dre would make all everything on Chronic just smack across every speaker system like what is like the the mechanics behind that what is the system or the process behind that and being able to understand that and being able to work with dre so i can see it firsthand that right. shit was like boom like i'm here like you know what i'm saying this is this is my calling you know 100 percent. so were you curious about like what was going on with the production and shit from a, from a young age or how did you uh, start to wade into like learning about all that stuff and it's funny because you know high school at gardena you know I play football, obviously, um, but you know there was this hustle. I'm always a hustler. I'm always finding a way to like you know figure some business shit out. Um, and back in high school, like I was the ringtone man. You know, back when oh, everybody really? had the, the next tails, the 860s, and the chirps. Nice. Um, you know, I figured out. I, you know, again because you know my family was getting to computers, I was computer literate myself. So you know, I found programs where I can hack these phones and put real songs on them instead mm. of just the, the beeping ringtones that were out at that time. So from that, you know, I really had homies coming over and doing like 30 second parody ringtones, you know, and then from that, the art of recording, I kind of fell in love with the art of recording through that. And then the 30 second ringtones ended up, you know, recording full length songs. Right. Yeah. So how are you selling the ringtones? Just word of mouth. Like, you know, what I'm saying obviously guard, you know, back in the day, it was no social media, really. It was just, you yeah. know, it was really just homies talking to homie. And, you know, obviously I wasn't like, you know, I was a. I had friends, you know, what I'm saying so the, being on the football team, the word spread like, yo, you can go here. You know, have like a ringtone saying, don't answer this girl phone, or your mama calling me, go home. You know, just some type of parody ringtone, just <laughs> on some, so some funny. funny shit. Yeah. Um, and then again, like, you know, just that homie was like, you could do this. Let me uh, let me record a song real quick. I got to mm -hmm. turn a song into MySpace or whatever. So that's kind of where the, where the love came from. Did you have any like real hometown heroes, like anybody like that you knew as a young kid who was like having success in rap? Or was, were you having to really figure a lot of this stuff out on your own? I mean, in the early stages, it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a thing to be like, yo, I'm like, this is what my career is gonna be. It was more mm -hmm. of like a hobby to kind of keep my mind focused. Um, you know, it wasn't up until I really started recording full-length songs and really falling in love with the art. That's when I really started studying, you know, studying other engineers that you know are black engineers, people that might look like me. You know, I couldn't afford the music schools, I couldn't afford a lot of those things. So the internet, you know, YouTube and forums were like the only things that I really had to my advantage to to research and like, you know, I didn't even know it was a business. Like the recording arts, I didn't know it was a business. I just knew I liked putting 
audio parts together to create a final product. Right. So I was doing my research and, you know, um, got better equipment, uh, you know, um, you know, reached out to local talent, local artists that I knew were doing their thing and, you know, had had more hands-on experience by working with them, mm. which I think kind of elevated just my, my skill at an early age. It's funny because to the kids out there, if they wanted to get into what you do, it's 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 got to be 10 times easier now, right? A thousand percent. You were figuring it out from scratch when there was not a fucking guidebook. It's still probably a challenging thing to learn, but you get to go to YouTube and type, how right. do I do this? And exactly. There's going to be videos. And I think it's more of a stigma thing because it's like, it's, 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 it's back, back when I really was getting started, there was still still that that uh that 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 notion of you know you have to go by the book to become an audio engineer you have to know your ones and zeros and that's right. what really discouraged me in the early on because like bro like i'm not about to go to school i couldn't afford it and like i'm not I'm, i hated authority like you're not about to tell me how to do something when i can just figure it out so you know now it's more of like there's no limitations to how songs are being created so kind of mm. just fucking throw it against the wall and see if it sticks but i'm sure you hear a lot of songs that you are like that shit is mixed like shit and whoever <laughs> like now that you are much more learned about like how shit is supposed to sound you right. could probably look at a lot of the shit these young kids are doing and being like holy fuck i wish i had my hands on that record before it came out right yeah 100 i mean i tell people all the time your music sounds like shit like that's, that's one of my like, that's one of my phrases bro your music sounds tight but it sounds like shit mm. you know i think that's uh you know over these years becoming who i am in this field um i think that's been one of my main uh, one, of, one of my main purposes is just like create, like just making awareness of the problem. Like, you know, people's music sounds like shit, but it could always be better. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Really trying to paint the picture of the problem so I could turn around and create that solution. Right. You know? Do you, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to skip ahead steps or anything, but okay, so you're, you're getting interested in it. You start working with uh, some local talent and stuff. I'm assuming none of that really like went anywhere, but you were building up your skill set to be able to be great at this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, early on, you know, I was doing, I, you know, Tiger's mom and my auntie were good friends, so oh, I did wow. like all the early Tiger stuff. The really? Young oh, so I'm assuming you're going to be just working with some guys who didn't blow up. I mean, That's he wasn't. He was still, you know, just oh, a okay. tatted up little kid, you know what I'm saying, from the city. So, you know, it was still nothing that I knew was ever going to take me anywhere. Right. Um, but, you know, through consistency and, you know, work ethic, that shit, you know, ultimately changes. But, you know, again, just homies that, you know, can ride at 16 or homies from the hood that would just, you know, just dissing whoever, you know, I got a place to record. I always wanted that hands-on experience because I knew I couldn't afford the book experience. Right. So I figured, you know, hard work is going to override talent. So, you know, I got to just put that work in by doing the work. It's interesting because it do you feel like it was kind of a, a slow period for Los Angeles when you were coming out in terms of the music? Because I was thinking about that a lot recently when the game said basically that like he held down the West Coast for like 10 plus years where there wasn't really a big rapper from L.A. Like mm -hmm. up until I think YG came around, mm -hmm. that was kind of like maybe the, the city didn't have the same confidence that you would feel from a lot of local people in the city now. Would you say that's accurate? I think there was more of a paradigm shift, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the type of music that was being created. I mean, mm -hmm. during that time, obviously, game was on fire, you know right. what I'm saying? We are all just looking at this just massive success, and it's right around the corner, you know what I'm saying? Dudes from, 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 from Compton right around the corner from where we recorded at. So, you know, we've seen that and knew it was possible, you know? So that's why, that's when, you know, you get, you know, the Kendrick Lamars, you get the schoolboys, you get the Dom Kennedys, the Pac mm. Divs, you know, it's that paradigm shift of like, of, of a different kind of music that was kind of cultivating um, during that time. Right. That didn't really take off until like the, the, the 2010s. So you were never in a jerking crew? Come on, I'm 6'5", bro. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm 250 pounds. If we, can you imagine me in some fucking skinnies, bro? Like, stop it. I don't know, man. There's so many rappers that I, like, think of as these super tough guys, and then I realized at one point they were they were on that. Nah, you got I mean, don't don't get it fucked up. Like, yeah. you can still catch a homie in some salmon pink pants that will blow your shit back. You right. know what I'm saying? So, but, you know, it's just, you know, it's just an era. It was a moment in time, you know? Definitely. But definitely, I, I, you wouldn't catch me in those skinnies. Stop mm. it. When did the football dreams die? 
after high school, you know, I fucked up my 12th grade year, bro. Um, oh, really? Yeah, just grade-wise, you know, obviously, you know. At Gardena, it was just, you know, it was just like it was like a little college, you know. Everyone was just partying on the weekends crazy. It was a, it was really? a crazy time. So, you know, like, after like a two years of success on the team, I figured that, like, bro, like, they're going to float me. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're going to be good. And I guess I was used as like a, what's that, a... Um, uh, a, a study or whatever, they basically just threw the book at me and kicked me the fuck out after some stupid shit. And uh, I had to go to a JC uh -huh. instead of going to like a, a D1, which, you know, was, uh, was was on my radar. So, you know, I went to West LA. Uh, I did a year there. Uh, before the season started, I fucked my back up. We were at practice fucking around. Uh, and the coach had us doing tombstones the whole practice. You know, when you're laying down on the floor, you get up and you just kind of go head on with the, with the next player. Uh -huh. So doing that shit for two hours, you know what I'm saying? That tired terrible. as hell. And at the end of, you know, on the D-line is what, maybe like 30 people on there, you know, doing it one after another, one after another, tombstones. So, like, the last three or four guys, I kind of just, like, got tired. And uh, I ended up fucking on my lower disc. So I got two herniated discs and two bulging discs. Do they still let kids do that? What, like the... Like the, smash into each other at full speed like I that? It seems kind of dangerous. Like, honestly, I haven't, like, been keeping up with, like, the rules. But just mm. seeing how NFL is, like, just soft now, like, you know, I can't imagine high school is, or college is any different, you know? Mm. I, Seems like take the fun. They're telling you can't hit a certain way, and you know take the fun out. Well, today, like a ex NFL player, it came out that he just like killed five people, and his dad is blaming it on CTE and shit because of, of, of head injuries and stuff. I mean, the more that shit like that happens, the crazier it yeah. looks for the whole entire thing. I mean, when you just think of the concept of football, bro. You fucking gladiators going out there, you know, what I'm saying for blood. So you know, I, that's why the life, the lifespan of NFL players, what four, four or five years, if mm -hmm. that. So you know, you get what you you know. But, you probably um, got off on a, a better, a better career path. Realistically, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. You know, um, I feel like the football thing kind of taught me structured, uh, discipline, being mm -hmm. on the team. Uh, but the music thing kind of really taught me life. And you know, I figure, you know, like I said, I'm here for a reason. So you know, I, I credit that to the universe working in my favor. Definitely. So after uh, high school finishes, you went. To, so you went to this junior college. Yeah. And how was that? How did you uh, take to that? And were you pursuing music at this time? So music was a hobby of mine. You know, mm -hmm. again, at the time, you know, it was me, schoolboy Q. He was Q Mizzle at this time. Uh, but you were real close with him? Yeah, real close. You know, I met him, uh, you know, yeah, real close with him, recording, you know, on a daily basis. You can find, like, his early shit. If you search, like, Q Mizzle, it's a bunch of trash shit that you're going to find. And how me. confident were you that he had it? Um, it, it, and it's funny, in that early time, it wasn't really a confidence. It was just like, this is the guy that That's I knew that homie. could rap the best. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He was the best person I knew that could rap. So, again, at this time, it was more of a hobby. Like, it wasn't too much, like... You know, yo, we're about to make a billion dollars. It was like, yo, this is taking us out the streets. It was giving us a, you know, a, a, a curricular activity where we can go out and just kind of explore some shit, creative shit. Shit is so simple before you know all about the game, you right? Feel me, bro? And everything <laughs> changes, and it's like, yes. fuck, it's this brick wall of just knowing how to move around and Like, talk my and mind instantly went to, like, you hanging out with him because you thought that he was going to be a big artist, not just that that was the homie and he was good yeah. at rapping. Yeah. Again, as, at that time, it was it was all about the experience. Right? My brain is polluted. <laughs> it's all about that experience, man. Like... And, you know, I figure, um, again, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm early on, one of the first books I read was called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, that's an amazing Amazing one, yeah. book. I love Malcolm Gladwell as a writer in general. But yeah. uh, in that book, there's this chapter, the 10,000-hour theory, yeah. that you got to acquire at least a minimum of 10,000 hours to become an expert in any field. And I kind of just look back at my, at my start now and saying, like, yo, like, going back to everything happens for a reason. Like, being in there with Q and with whoever else early on, like just getting our hours, you know, mm -hmm. even with us coming to TDE, like once we got there, it was a constant rap camp of just everybody trying to be better than each other. You know, mm -hmm. all the producers trying to make better beasts than each other. It was, it was, you know, you know, knives sharpening knives, you know what I'm saying? And that's 
where that notion of, you know, we got our 10,000 hours, you know? That's crazy because when I first read that, it, it really makes you think, like, well, what have I put 10,000 hours into? And I was like, well, I've definitely put 10,000 hours into, like, studying rap music, right, basically. Right. And I've definitely put 10,000 hours into, like, reading and writing on the internet. Right, right. And I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> that, that kind of helps me understand what I'm doing. All right. Exactly, man. Subconsciously, man, people do shit like that, man. It's just, you know, put time into, put time into, um, you know, just just hobbies and things like that that end up really turning into careers because it's a it's a it's a real form of love. Like you know, definitely that's what people got to strive for when they you know want to become their own business or you want just want to work on their own. Is what do you love doing? What can you spend fucking ten hours a day doing without no interruption? And everything you do, just guide yourself in that direction of doing something that you like doing. Hundred percent. You know. 100%. Um, okay, so you're in college. You're you're kicking with schoolboy and shit. How does things start progressing from here? Uh, on the music side, obviously, I got hurt. And uh, again, like me and Q were recording, like just on the side after practice or on the weekends. Um, so I get hurt and fucking I have to figure it out. Like, what like what am I going to do? The doctor is saying that I can't play ball no more. Right. Devastating. You know what I'm saying? First and foremost, very much devastating because being a big guy from the hood, like this is, you know, this is your way out, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so, I, you know, I just doubled down on my hobby, you know? And from there, um, you know, just got serious again, got better equipment, uh, start really doing my research on people that I can admire or people that, you know, I looked up to in the same field mm. um, and, and and really just fucking shot in the dark, you know, just just took a leap of faith and just ran with it. Really? Yeah. Okay, so what, what's that look like? Do like you really start going in with schoolboy or were you like just sort of along when, when his shit starts blowing up yeah. or how did that go? So around this time, uh, you know, again, Q is still, you know, he's still in the streets but going to school because he loved ball too. Um, and he's doing his thing on the side so he had a few dollars in his pocket to record. So while I was out of, out of you know, I couldn't play ball no more, I was still heavy on the music. So, you know, he would come over to the studio after, um, you know, after practice, we'll meet, link up and we would just work. Um, things dried up for him and we just had nowhere to record at this point because he was paying for studio time, you know, 150, $200 a day. Mm. So when it dried up, you know, um, we, you know, there was nowhere for us to record. But at this time, I was really getting to know, you know, uh, everybody at, at TD at the time, which was, you know, Punch, Top, Day Free, um, um, you know, KDOT, Soundwave, you know, the, all the guys. So, you know, as I'm building a relationship and really spending a lot of time at this house where everybody's recording, which, you know, Top provided a home studio for us, I was like, okay, bet. You know, I'm working with an artist, which we have no place to record now. Mm. You know, I have access to the studio with a group of talented creators, which you can all learn from. I'm like, yo, like, come to Carson, come pull up. You know, these are the cool homies that I'm fucking with. Uh, you know, you know, let's see if we can, you know, let's see if you fit right in. What was your perspective on TDE? Like, how, how far along and them becoming a, a, a big deal were they yeah. at that point? Because obviously in high school, I always knew about J-Rock. You know, J-Rock was bubbling mm -hmm. in the streets. So, like, you know, coming into the game, any type of success is huge success, you know, coming mm -hmm. from the outside looking in. So, you know, me looking at TD, I'm like, yo, this is this is these group of guys that are really doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're local. They, they're getting to it. I'm seeing billboards of J-Rock's, you know, projects all over the city. I'm like, yo, like, this, this could be a way where, you know, I can offer my services and as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can learn a lot in this industry. So, you know, I took that leaf and invited Q over there. Um, and, you know, Q's thing, you know, he's from Hoover. So Q thing was like... You know, like, damn, these niggas from Bonnie Hunters, these niggas from, like, like, is it a setup? You know what I'm saying? He's just leery, like, I don't know how I can fit into this equation. Mm. You know, either somewhere from Compton or Watts, you know what I'm saying? And Q's all the way from South Central. So, you know, just luckily he trusted my instinct and he came by. And it was his record that Kendrick and Ab Soul was working on. He came out at the time, was working on. And, you know, I guess they were really testing Q and his skills and just threw him in the booth. And they loved him and he never left. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. And so was there any kind of issues about where anyone was from? And did anyone give a fuck about where you were from? Or was nah. it, were they past that at, by that point in terms of being professional about it? It was just that, that respect level. Like, obviously, Top Dog, like, you know, that was his house. So, like, if you come into that back house, like, you just don't be on no type of bullshit. You right. Know? It's like when you come here, it's all business. It's time to work. You know, like, he didn't go through what he went through to be able to provide this studio for us to fuck it off. Right. You know, so it was, you know, he, he sat everybody down and was like, this is what we're doing. Like, you know, we're going to we're gonna take it professionally. We're going to go about it the right way. And it's like any issues, you know, there's a set of boxing gloves right there. Mm. You know, but, you know, it's, it's always been love, you know. What was your viewpoint on Kendrick at that point and, like, how far along he was and everything yeah. and how talented you thought he was? I mean, instantly very talented. That was, like, one of, like, my first tasks is uh, Dave had sent me to go pick up these, these uh, CDs from DJ Nick Bean. He used to print up like all these uh, mixtape CDs back in the day. So I picked up these training day mixtapes and these J-Rock uh, Watts Finest Volume, I think two or three uh -huh. mixtapes. And you know, those were the first times, or that was the first time I really heard of K-Dot, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm just hearing this mixtape, Training Day. I'm like, yo, who the fuck is that? He's just, it's going berserk. I'd, definitely, if you haven't heard Training Day, go back and check it out. This was 2005 Kendrick. Mm. Um, but I'm just listening, I'm like, yo, this, this man's just like so elevated, so advanced, like just the flow patterns, just how he was rapping was completely different from what I was hearing at that time. So, you know, obviously I'm seeing, I'm seeing the potential of what's going on and I'm just trying to see how I can add my value. Mm, definitely. And so how did they react to Schoolboy and how did they react to you? Like how, how did that connection like become solidified? And yeah. Were they just like super impressed by his talent right away? Uh, first, it was just like they, you know, by me coming in and, you know, at that time, Punch was doing all the engineering. You right. know, he was sitting down, he was being, and he was working on the business with Top and Day, but also, you know, because there was no engineer on board, you know, everybody wore multiple hats. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's where we learn work ethic and execution is wearing multiple hats and playing roles if, if we need them to be filled. Um, so, you know, when I came in, and obviously I have my prior experiences from doing ringtones and, right. you know, just kind of growing this field. Um, you know, I, I'm like, yo, like, just teach me the basics and let me run with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think by me coming on board, it kind of alleviated a lot of time from Punch to be able to focus on business, but also it started um, to, for me to build a trust within a group of guys. Like, yo, Ali is really serious about being one of the top mixers, the top engineers. Right. He might not know it all right now, but his drive, his work ethic, you know, I can see it is infectious. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, you know, me mentioning Q and bringing him on board, you know, they were open to it. It was still leery because we're still all young, like not really crazy success and the streets were still kind of playing a part mm. in a lot of what people were doing. Mm. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a gamble. But like I said, he came over, fit right in his personality, you know, um, his music, um, you know, just became this tight knit family. Definitely. So does that just begin a completely different era in your life where you're just sort of posted up in the house working for 100% years? I'm like, what, this time with 18, 19? And, oh, you know, you're still that young. Still, okay, you know, yeah. No structure, like still wet behind it. You're still fucking up, like, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it kind of just gave me a purpose. You know, like I said, so many years of not knowing where I come from because of my family and, and uh, how that's perceived with, you know, Polish descent and, mm. you know, wh where is my black side of the family? I didn't really understand who my dad was. I didn't know my dad early on. So, you know, now I feel like, boom, I really have a purpose now. Like, let me just take advantage of this opportunity. So from 1920, I cut all the partying out. Um, I kind of just like went off grid, you know, with my head down, you know, sacrificed my early 20s uh, really to just perfect my craft. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, I lost a lot of friends, really? you know, girls, you know, um, I, I ended up getting kicked out of my granny's house. So I moved into Top's house and, you know, I'm sleeping on the floors. Kate, I was sleeping toe to, you know, head to toe. Uh, you know, sound wave on the floor, schoolboy sleep in the booth. 
and it was just it was just game on, you know. It wow. Was, so your grandparents were pissed because they thought you were just fucking up, fucking up, and I was fucking up. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, in everything else in your life, in everything else, yeah. like going to jail, bro, like just oh, really? not trying to get a job, just you know that. You know, this shit, I'm, I'm telling her about my dream of being a musician, and she's like, what? Like, when have you ever wanted to do, you know, wanted to do music? When have you ever played an instrument? Right. And trying to explain engineering, it's like fucking, it's like trying to explain hieroglyphs, you know? But, so, but Kendrick was, like, going to be the next big rapper for quite a few years there before mm, he became, mm, like, the biggest fucking mm, rapper. And if, mm, was that kind of, like, this era of, like, 100%. everyone's talking about him, he's getting all these cosigns, but it just hadn't really exploded yet. And then, right. like, all of a sudden, like, 2011 or 12 or whatever, it fucking explodes. Right. And, like, he fulfills the promise that everybody saw in him. 100%. It was pretty crazy. 100%. Like, going from, you know, even before Kendrick Lamar, he was K-Dot and dropping Training Day, you know, even doing the, the collab album, it's called uh, Do It Niggas Squad. It was a whole, you know, a TDE compila uh, compilation album. Um, and then from that, you know, Kendrick, he changed his name. You know, he just had this epiphany, like, yo, I'm, I'm going to go by my real name. Mm -hmm. And then from that, everything changed from the music down to just everything. And it was like, yo, like, like, whoa. You know, it was like everyone seen what was about to become. Right. You know, it was just making sure that we we're prepared for that ride, you know. Right. You know, doing Kendrick Lamar ED, or, uh, EP, Kendrick Lamar EP, and then Kendrick Lamar OD. Uh, and then section fucking 80 came and just like that shit like exploded you know right. it was you know if you listen to that album section 80 in the time to which it dropped there's no other album that sounds anything like it mm. you know and i think that's really what made him stick out in the herd is like coming completely different right you know and so how did things start to change in terms of like you know you guys are sleeping on the floor and shit yeah. and like things might must have to start switching up as people are seeing more success and stuff like how does this all unfold yeah so success then was different to where success is now like you know back then it was really just blog success mm. uh you know the two dope boys the rap radars <laughs> yeah. like you know that era so we were getting that blog success we're doing show like you know the hip-hop shows and you know but it wasn't no money where everyone's floating off of you know what i'm saying um success really came after section 80 and you know we go on this world tour bro off of this project and from there it was just a chain it's like a snowball effect really a chain of effects from you know me being we was on tour with tech nine actually wow really? uh, j-rock was signed to strange for a little bit uh through tde and then we went on tour it was j-rock e40 tech nine and all the strange guys um and kendrick was j-rock's hype man wow and then while on that tour like i'm getting a call from somebody at interscope like yo dr dre wants to holler at kendrick and yeah so I'm like, get the fuck off my line. I think it's a joke, right? Like, they're blowing me up. I'm like, somebody's pranking my phone. Like, it's probably one of the homies just bull you know, bullshitting. And then somebody else, and then uh, I forgot his name. Somebody else called me, and then it was like a real, like, uh, hey, somebody's somebody from Innisco wants to talk to you. Can you please hold? Mm. And they're really breaking it down. Like, yo, like, you know, when you get back, like, you know what I'm saying? We want to set up a meeting with Kendrick. So, you know, I, I relayed the information to, like, Dave and Top. And, uh, you know, when we got home from that tour, you know, everything kind of just started getting into motion. Right. Yeah. I remember that Dr. Dre co-sign. Like, he, I forget if there was a show. Yeah, there was a show in L.A. I was DJing. And Dre came out and basically said, this yeah. is the future of L.A.? Bro, Dre, Snoop, Corrupt. Like, this is, like, an iconic picture of, like, Kendrick just, like, yeah. balling. Because it's, like, that's, like, an emotional moment. Like, all this shit that we've been through to get to where we're at today. Like, you know, and, and then finally getting that recognition from somebody like Dre who... You know, obviously, us being from the coast, we look up to it. You know, and put it such a high regards. Right. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was satisfying to say the least. It was. It was affirming. You know, it was like damn, all this grinding and sleeping on the couch and stealing hot dogs from Albertsons and eating <laughs> cup of noodles every day. Like, you know, what I'm saying it, it was all. For, it was all for this. For this moment. You know. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Dre is just like 
co-signed so few artists that he hadn't directly signed. Right. Like, I mean, even including the artists he signed, he just does not right. throw his co-sign around at right. all. He's right. all about his brand, his quality, quote unquote. Facts. Facts. So as like when Kendrick, you know, really, you know, when Top and Kendrick really solidified the deal uh, with Dre, you know, it was time to, uh, you know, get to mixing Good Kid. Um, and one thing um, that Kendrick just made clear is like, yo, like we're going to do this, but, you know, I need Ali involved in the mixing. Mm. Um, not only because like, we already cultivated a sound when it came to Section 80, but also he understood my passion into which I wanted to be the biggest fucking guy in this field. Right. So he really shot me that layup, like, yo, now you're going to work with Dre and learn and, you know, like indirectly, like, yo, go learn from this nigga. Really? So, um, and that's crazy because, like, I'm sure Dre has his way of doing things, and he's probably not super interested in dealing with new people 100%. from the rapper or whatever. 100%. Did you feel like this was going to be an uphill battle? It was. It, it, it was more intimidating because I didn't know how to. I'm still fucking wet behind the ears. I'm still like just entering. I'm like super low level, so I'm just under. Like it was intimidating, bro. Like, like it was just like it was just Doctor fucking Dre. Like you know how can I come correct and gain this respect? Mm. But instantly from the jump, it was just more welcoming. You know, like. And like you said, he has his own set way of doing things. I think it really made me who I am today because I, from me learning his process, along with the process that I've already been cultivating, I'm able to fuse that together to create my sound, which I have today. Mm. So, you know, through uh, through mixing Good Kid, Mad City, he's really just guiding me, training me, showing me how to use this big-ass analog board and, you know, kind of kind of just you know, preparing me for, for what's to come next. Definitely. Hey, what about that uh, tour in the world? Like that—that that must have been pretty fucking eye-opening for somebody who hadn't really uh, been too many places prior to that, huh? Bro, I wild the fuck out. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm like imagine just being like, like just early twenties, bro. Like traveling the world and you know just meeting different people, like different part. It was just it was it was a blur. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was a blur. Like you know, but it was one of the best experiences ever. You, know? you go through so much of your life thinking that where you grew up is the world, and mm. then all of a sudden you're in all these other cities, and it's just like, holy fuck, the world is so much bigger than I knew. Facts. It puts everything into into perspective. Like you know, like for one, your problems are not as big as they are, mm. um, and and it just makes you reach for a higher level. You know, when you start seeing different shit, it inspires you a different way. You know. Mm. It inspires a different way. I think that's why I'm like into teaching and stuff now because I feel like opportunity is 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 you know you got it's like each one teach one like you got to mm. always just just give back what you've learned you know what I'm saying to those other diamonds in the rough. You know? Yeah, and from doing having these conversations, that's what I realize is that so many people who are successful at some point in their life, somebody sat down with them or or took them around and brought them around shit and showed them how right. shit's done because right. it can take you you know forever to figure out the business right. on your own but somebody right. could really help cheat code your ass through that 100%. yeah because i see you do a shitload of like seminars and all right. kinds of like teaching stuff on right. your instagram what, right. what, what, what how's that work so um you know just a couple years back 2018 you know just even prior to that i've always told myself like yo once i you know once i get to a, a point in my career um, you know, I want to be able to give back to those diamonds in the rough like myself. You know, I, it, the, the, the mission for me to get to where I am was fucking, it was brutal. Mm. You know, just people just pushing you away because they see your hunger and like, yo, this nigga might be a factor. Let me not, let me suppress him and shut him up. Or just people not taking me seriously because like how I look, people think I'm security first, not an engineer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The height, so, the height is a little liability <laughs> on that. <laughs> you yeah. feel me? Like, That's so funny. it's like, dang, it's, I'm, I'm going to teach him how to mix and he might rob me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the fuck about to happen. So, but it was, you know, I figured like once I get to the point in my career where, you know, I could be that big homie, I could be that person that could really just show the next generation of sound where those landmines are, you know, by me stepping up, by me hitting those landmines, I can kind of help these kids and the next generation maneuver around them. Mm. So their journey will be a lot easier. You know, that's my thing. It's like, you know, 
I look at it, if a lot of people help me on my come up, you know, there will be a lot of people like they could live through me in my career, you know, and they really can't. You know, I have more of a chip on my shoulder than anything. Mm. But by, by me being able to be vulnerable and open up to this, to these, to these, to the youth and to the creators of tomorrow, you know, I can live through them, you know, right. rather than, you know, my legacy can live the next 100 years through the people I've helped along the way. You know, so that's yeah. uh, that's big to me. Again, it's purpose, having a purpose and, you know, making all this money is cool and accolades is cool, but they're just things. Like, what's going to be, what's going to immortalize you? You know what I'm saying? And that's community and how you give back. Definitely. So, okay, if you were explaining what you do to a total idiot, which I'm assuming you have to do from time to time, and, you know, some people watching this are probably somewhere along that idiot spectrum. Explain <laughs> what your job is, what you do, why it's important, and uh, how, how it works, basically. So audio engineering, there's three phases. Uh, you have the recording uh, engineer, the mixing engineer, the mastering engineer. Uh, the re recording engineer, basically, um, is the one in the studio with the artist. Mm. Uh, they put the beat inside the, pro the program, Pro Tools, and they're recording that artist, getting the best performances from their voices, adding certain elements to kind of make things pop out and just kind of getting the sound together for the artist as he's like recording these songs. Mm -hmm. The mixing engineer, and this is all in layman's terms, uh, uh, the mixing engineers basically take all of the elements from the recording engineer and from the producer. So they take the beat files, the kick, drum, snare, bass, and then take all the takes from the artist, the lead vocal, the backgrounds, the ad libs, the chorus, mm. and then they basically take that and throw it into a program and they mix it together, adding certain uh, effects, reverb, delays again, uh, blending it all to create a final two-track product that goes to mastering. Mm -hmm. um, and then the final product is mastering where you take that final two-track product and you add specific limiting and uh, you normalize it to get it to the loudest potential peak to get ready for radio. Oh, okay. So it's a multitude. I mean, it sounds difficult as hell, um, but, you know, it's, it's, again, like you mentioned earlier, it's a, it's, it's, it's a part of the business that I think in 21 is more respected than ever. Mm. As many producers and artists are coming out really championing their engineers, um, which I think is a great time to really just uplift the community by just, you know, showing, like you said, there is ways to be successful in this, in this business without being a producer or an artist, you know? Definitely. Really showing, like, a dope part of creating a record, an intricate part in creating a record, which I think in today's time is vital. And the more you know about the quality of a record, like, when we listen to submissions on stream and stuff, right. a lot of times we'll be hearing a song and it's like, you know, maybe the melody or sounds okay. Maybe the artist's voice sounds okay, but because the production and the and the mastering and everything are complete and total lack of mastering, probably right. it, it's just almost impossible for me to like judge the quality of the music. Right. And I mean, yeah, so that's a big factor that obviously a lot of people don't have the luxury of of learning that. But it's the kind of thing that if you do learn that yourself, it could be completely the difference between your song sounding like shit and your 100%. song sounding great, right? It's like meeting like somebody for the first time, like meeting a girl for the first time. They look at your teeth and your fingernails. Like your first impression <laughs> is like important. Jimmy yeah. Iovine said it in like the Defiant Ones documentary. You know, uh, you know when, when, he, when he was coming up, he started as an engineer, Jimmy mm -hmm. Iovine. And you know, the way he presented a product, the way he presented a song was important because before they listen to the lyrics, before they listen to, the, to anything else, they're going to listen to how it sounds. Mm. That's what's going to catch your ear first. And then everything else plays a part after the fact. Right. So, you know, a lot of artists, I know, I know personally, a lot of artists lose their shot or a lot of artists just really can't get over that hump because their music sounds like shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. There was a, I heard a few people pointed out during the Gucci versus Jeezy battle that like Jeezy shit was all properly mastered and shit and done yeah. in these professionalized studios, and a lot of the Gucci records that became huge viral hits just weren't ever really mixed or mastered. Right. So when you hear it like now and you hear it with a proper system, it's like they sound like they were recorded on different planets. You could hear you could you could hear the difference. Like it's it's 
it's clear as day, you know, and that's why like one of my missions obviously is just to 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 push the problem of the industry. And the problem is that your music sounds like shit. Mm. And then my job is to create that solution. Definitely. So if you were giving advice to some kid who's interested in all this shit, what how would you tell them to start? Would you tell them to you know, find a local artist or somebody that they can link up with to just begin practicing? Like, is there specific courses or anything that you would recommend online to get good at this? What I would tell them is, uh, first of all, before you look for courses or any other shit, like, you got to be okay with fucking starving for a couple years to get good at this craft, you know? Right. A lot of people nowadays, you know, because they are successful engineers and they are, you know, people doing their thing right now that it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Like, this is the easiest way to enter the industry and create a name for themselves. It's not the case at all. Mm. You know, you got to actually develop a love for it. Um, I think that's what breeds the longevity in the game. But then also, um, it's, it's, it's really just learning the fundamentals, like learning the, the terminologies and just learning as much as you can so you can enter these rooms and know what you're talking about. You know, mm. I think a lot of engineers kind of, a lot of people coming into the game that want to be engineers today, like they don't have the sufficient information to really hold these conversations and they, kinda, they get weeded out. They kind of mm. miss their opportunities by doing too much too early. Right. You know, baby steps, learn what you need to learn, know the basics and then gradually grow. Definitely. You know, I think that is, 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 is important for any field of business. You know, it's just you got to crawl before you walk. Right. You know what I'm saying? I've seen artists like like Young Thug in particular, like engineering his own shit, yeah. like punching in and then mm -hmm. doing it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Have you ever like, is, is this like as crazy as it seems to me? Like it just seems like the, the most intensive thing to be doing all that work at once. Not necessarily. I mean, I, and, and that's one thing about this dope today is there's a lot of artists like Thug, like a Kendrick, like a Roddy Rich, like these artists who who went through those beginning stages starting as an engineer because they didn't have access to other engineers. Mm. So because they didn't have that access, they was like, yo, I gotta play all hats. I gotta, you know what I'm saying? So now they're in this, in this apex, you know, time in their career, it's like, I could do it better myself because I know that I know what my I know what I want my shit to sound like I, mm. because I've done it in the early in the early times, you know. So there's a lot of DIY artists that, you know, are 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 taking control of their sound because at the end of the day, the artist knows exactly where they want to go sonically. It's up to the engineer to take them there. But mm -hmm. if the engineer can't take them there, the artist can easily get in that driver's seat and pull off. Definitely. You know, so that's, there's a lot of, you know, kudos to them. I know Alex Tomei does a lot, a lot of thug stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as an engineer, it's important, you know, even for the artist watching, it's important to just understand how to express how you want your shit to sound. You know, that's how you build that relationship with the engineer. And your sound can grow from that because mm -hmm. you guys have that relationship, you have that rapport, and you know how to communicate what you guys need from each other. Definitely. Um, okay, so around that time, uh, well, I'm assuming you guys are working for years and years on Good Kid Mad City. Like, yeah. Did you know that this was going to be as seminal a moment in the culture as it was? Like, how, how were you looking at it leading up to the release? Man, Good Kid was different because, like, Good Kid, Mad City is really telling the story of all of us. Like, mm -hmm. all those stories we can relate to. You know, meeting up with a chick and then your car might break down and you in somebody else's hood. Or, you know what I'm saying, a homie trying to influence you to do some crazy shit. Like, that was really telling a story for all the people who couldn't speak for themselves, you know? So, it was so partial to me personally because I couldn't express myself, especially in that time, being insecure, you know, just still finding purpose, still finding myself. You know, I'm able to really now point at this album like, yo, this is what I'm going through. This is mm -hmm. what I've been through. And, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but, you know, there are those good kids in the Mad City, and this is how I can express myself is by relating to this music. And there's all these classic rap albums, but I feel like that album in particular probably really spoke to, like, how a kid from L.A. felt around that time right. in a way that probably not any project for a long time before or right. after that had done. 
Because there was no way to really express yourself. You know, mm. but you're going to go on MySpace and, you know what I'm saying? Or, or at that time, there wasn't as many artists that are uh, that are enabled to go and become artists now to express themselves like there is today. You know, mm. artists now could just, you know, record a song on their iPhone and now they're expressing themselves. Now they can express themselves through music. At this time, there was none of that, you know. There, there was, you know, it's either the streets, sports, or, or, or you know, you, you can relate to something that you hear on the radio. How many songs do you think you made for that album that didn't get used? A Man, lot. You were there's, for a there's long a whole time. Good Kid, Mad City album that we finished mixing everything that just is never gonna see the day. Really? You know, before before Dre, before anybody, it was a whole Good Kid, Mad City. Wow. Which I have on my drive, and I, you know, from time to time, I might listen to them records because it was just that great. You know, even here in that first project, it was like, yo, like, it's fucking over. You know. Is that ever hard for you to like work on the stuff that you're so proud of, and then you just don't ever get to see the reaction from the people? Not necessarily because like I've already exhausted like all the plays while I'm mixing it or while mm. I'm working at it. I'm hearing a song a thousand fucking times, so by the time it comes out, anyways, I'm already over it. You know. But you ever find yourself like wanting to reference like, well, when Kendrick said this, and then you're like, oh wait, nobody knows about that yeah, besides yeah, yeah. me. hundred <laughs> percent. Do that with every artist I work with, man. Like it's, you know, they come back and switch verses, and you know, it might be somebody dissing one person, and then they have a, a change of mind and be like, let me just take this out, and then really? you know, what I'm saying it's all type of shit people are doing nowadays, but you know. It's like a it's like an unwritten like responsibility of like just having everyone's music before it's released. Like it's a it's a, it's a prideful moment, you know. Definitely. Um, do you think a lot of people are kind of like in the engineering shit, but then they they plan on using it as basically like a vehicle to transition into doing production or something mm -hmm. different? Mm -hmm. Like, what made you really just want to be the greatest at this particular thing? Like, I'm one of the guys that play my strengths. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I know my weaknesses. You know, and I'm not going to pick up a mic if I know that's not going to, if that's going to die, it's going to take me away from the time spent on, you know, doing this one thing. Um, but to answer your question, 100%, a perfect example was like Blast. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Blast, you know, it comes you from- you worked with him? Uh, it's funny, I haven't worked with him, but we oh, talked, okay. you know what I'm saying? I'm a big fan of Blast. He's like, incredible, yeah. Incredible, like I love his music. And, you know, instantly when I heard it, and it goes back to that uh, first impression aspect to, you know, hearing music. When I heard Blast shit, I'm like, this shit sounds polished. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like somebody's behind this that knows what the fuck they're doing. And when I found out it was him, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. You right, know, it yeah. makes sense. When we had that conversation, I'm like, if, like, I've had that conversation with, like, DJ Head, for yeah. example. Shout out Head. Shout he's, out to Head, yeah. He said, he's like, I haven't seen anybody like this since Todd Dollar Sign, where he does, he does everything. Right. And that, that's, like, super appealing to the label and also just gives you a lot of faith that they're going to be able to make shit that they really love. You 100%. Know? They, they're, not, they're not depending on somebody, on one other, you know, person or, 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 or entity to come in to make them them. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to put their all into it no matter what it takes. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of you know people that again come from the the the, the circumstances of not being able to have, have access to engineers. So, you know, by default they have to become that. You mm -hmm. know, it's just like David Banner when David Banner used to speak in them own scratch magazines and shit. And it's one thing that stuck with me is like he started making beats because he never had access to producers. Mm -hmm. You know, so he became one of the greatest producers by necessity. You know, definitely. You know, so I, I feel like that's being translated today's time in all fields. Right. So your lifestyle must change like dramatically around that time though, right? Like yeah. you must start getting way more money off of off these records and, and then I'm assuming you guys aren't just like sleeping on the floor in the house anymore oh, yes, at yeah. this point. The tours must be on a totally yeah. different level. Like and and you're just like along for all of this stuff. Like yeah. what, what was this all like? And and after all these years of struggling, it must have been fucking overwhelming. It was very much overwhelming. Uh you know, again, you know, being somebody who played multiple hats or wear multiple hats, you know, during this time, now it's time for Kendrick to do shows. And there's no DJ, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm fucking completely terrified. I'm stage fright, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 
again, couldn't hold a communication, couldn't look somebody in the eyes when I talked to him, just, really? you know what I'm saying, super just not confident. And I got to step up and be the DJ now. That's now interesting. I, gotta, I wouldn't have thought that you used to be like that. You, you come in here with a lot yeah. of enthusiasm and stuff. But it takes a lot of work. You know really? what I'm saying? A lot of fucking work. Uh, but again, at this time, like Kendra needed a DJ. Um, and what what better person to do it than somebody who's in the studio knows these songs, you know, verbatim, you know, line by line, second by second. So, you know, I take this job. Um, and again, that's part of the process that makes me comfortable with talking to crowds of people is the fact that I go from being an introvert inside the studio to having to scream on a mic and mm. turn up on the stage when I've never been that guy. That's so interesting, though, because I feel like the DJ is it's such a unique role because you literally will have, you know, 20,000 people in front of you. And you it's your job to keep this energy up at every moment that the artist can't be the one keeping the energy up. And that it, it's like when I see people who are really great at it and I see them after a 40 minute set and they're drenched in sweat. I'm like, that is fucking crazy. It's right real, there. dog. Like, it's real. Like DJing is art in itself, man. Just being able to control that crowd with songs. You know, it's uh, so like doing that early on for Kendrick. It was, you know, it was frightening as fuck, you know, but, um, you know, the job had to get done. What's know? the most overwhelming audience you ever performed to? Coachella, bro. That's like, what I was thinking. It's Coachella, gotta be Coachella, Coachella, right? Coachella, bro. The first time, fucking 100,000 people, bro, just a sea of people. And it's just me and Kendrick on stage, bro. No band, no nothing, bro. Like, I could have shat myself, bro. It was just. It was just a lot of energy, you know. Definitely took mad shots of JMO before I went out. <laughs> That's Definitely. your uh, beverage of choice? At the time. I'm a tequila man now. Oh, you know okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect that. Yassi's <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you know, I've been in that position a bunch of times where, like, um, even seeing Thug perform in uh, England a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, 50,000 people or some shit. And it's kind of like... This is pretty incredible that one dude rapping can command this audience. Right. Like, I know how big rap is, but right. it still is just kind of mind-blowing. Like, this is how big rap is, is that right. we're on the other side of the fucking world, and they're going crazy like this. That's a fact. I mean, I, I remember one of the craziest shows was at Glasgow, London. Um, and we, you know, Kendra had this record, uh, Cartoons and Serial. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember the record. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Bro, that shit overseas, live, completely... Really? Mosh Pit. Just, that was the one Gunplay was on, right? Yes, bro. Like, and that shit, like, when that shit was performed live, bro, it was, he ran it back three, it was it was just the last song, it was his encore record. He, right. would play, he would come back and it'll just come on with that static, with the, you know, with the with the pitched vocal, right. with the lights dimmed, bro. Crowd would go berserk, bro. Like, Mosh Pits would open up, people were getting bloody. It was like, and I think that's really, like, just showed the performing aspect to creating these songs. Like, you know, from that creating records that really, 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 really catch the ear of the people in those crowds, you know? Once you yeah. can command a crowd, I think, because, you know, you sell different type of music, you, like, you, there's a different part of, of, of being a performer once you really get those live performance interactions. Like, right. it's, it's like a spiritual event, you know? It's how, crazy. How did that song come about? How the fuck did Kendrick end up working with Gunplay? Gunplay had Bible of the Dash at the time, yeah. and that was, like, we all were like, this dude is fire. So it, it wasn't that surprising for them to work together at that time, but it is a pretty crazy, yeah. like, relic of that era. So like Dot is like a guy he loves, like he's always on YouTube, especially during this time. Again, this is the rat radar. It's like blogs are just like life. You know, yeah. wake up eight a.m. and just ten tabs are open. Just like what the fuck is going on? I miss that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's different time, bro. It's now you can't pay somebody to look at a blog. Facts, it's crazy. No jumper.com. Check out our blog. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So um, you know, he's 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 somebody who's very very intentional. You know, mm. very very intentional. With, even with features. You know, and at the time we were but we were banging this song called Yams. Uh, Gunplay was Triple C. Gunplay Yams, straight Yams. Right, like it was yeah. like, 
and we're just hearing gunplay just like bubbles in a cookie. Yeah, they good some rookies. Like just his flow pattern, just his, his energy. Wild, like man. you know what I'm saying? Like that shit was just like infectious. And then when he had this record, it was more of like gunplay's tone, his his voice, like everything would make the most perfect sense for this record. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by being very intentional with features. Like I need gunplay on this, saying mm. this. You know what I'm saying? Because it's gonna fully tie the rest of the record together. Right. And you know, and when that came about, bro, like to this day, is one of my favorite Kendrick records. You know? Yeah. Oh God, I gotta go re-listen to that. Yeah, bro. Please. The other one I gotta ask about is the Fredo record. Fredo. Oh yeah. yeah. How one, did that happen? Crazy. So we're at we're at Interscope. It used to be no excuses. Um, and again, Dot just be tapped in, like, and he, mm. he just fucks with people. And you know, Fredo. Uh, you know, his, his, his people were just you know what I'm saying that whole we, we were on Chief Keith, all that shit, mad early, like 2000. Like was that 11, 10, 12? Like it's super early, bro. And uh, you know, Dot just is like fans of dudes. Like, you know what I'm saying? If he fucks with you, like, you know, like pull up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let me show love and fuck with you. So he Fredo came through one day, he had a record um that he wanted to get in. Dot just did it, bro. Even Fredo was like, what the fuck? Bro? Right. You know what I'm saying? That's Performed amazing. Performed it at Lollapalooza and everything. Yo, that like, what was the vibe like between them and the studio? It was, it was uh, unique. I mean, they seemed like very different types of dudes. Very, very much so. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Very much so. But it was, it was more like a like Kendrick's like this real down to earth person. Like people just think like, oh, he's a Kendrick Lamar. He's just you know yada yada yada. But it's like when you really sit with him, he's human as fuck. He's gonna crack jokes on you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's just like the most human person ever. And I think when Fredo came in, like he didn't know how to like interact. Am I gonna be overly aggressive? Am I gonna be humbled? Am I gonna just not give a fuck? You know what I'm saying? So you could tell through the session that, you know, Fredo's really just testing the waters and you know what type of what where is this gonna go? That and, record to me really stood out as proof that like slow, simple rap can be just as powerful as technical 100%, rap. You know, 100%. like the, just having those two styles side by side and having them both be like. I really genuinely love right. both parts of that song, and and I can't say I really love one part more than the other. That that's an important thing because rap is in like a transitionary state, exactly. at its, and, and to an extent of exactly. Time. And it's important just for new artists to you know to not even new artists, artists in general to really. That's how you stay relevant is by tapping in with the youth. That's how you stay relevant by understanding the sound that you know is 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 come is on the come up is on the cusp of blowing. And you know, Dodge is a master of that. You know, knowing how to really you know, you know, fuck with people and is genuine in all sense of it. Definitely. So what's like, uh, at some point, did you guys have the conversation of like, okay, we got one of these artists blowing up, a couple of the other artists seem like they're blowing up too, but we're going to keep it TDE. Like, like we need to stay united. Like, we can't, like, just because you're seeing the success, we don't want you to run off and start doing a bunch of other things. We have to stay as a, as a unit. Thanks. Was that conversation like actually kind of happening at some point? I think that does, it didn't have to be said. You yeah. know, we all, you know, it's like, look, like when, you, when you're in the freeway, right? You know, you got five lanes on the freeway. Mm. You know, if you got five motherfuckers, you got five people on a team that all want to be head honcho, they're all in the same lane, right? That means that line is a straight line. Instead of everybody trying to perfect one part of the business in their own field, those five people spread across the lane and they all can move together as a unit. Mm. You know, building a team was most important. Building a squad is most important. You know, we would go up to labels and to go up to video shoots and fuck with people and, you know, we wouldn't get the respect that, you know, we were demanding at that time because, you know, it, it just wasn't that at that time. So mm. we had to go back to the drawing boards and create our own environment. Having our own producers, having our own managers, having our own engineers, having our own artists, you know, that way we can move as a unit and not have to worry about other inputs from other entities. You know what I'm saying? We can move because we got blinders on. You know what I'm saying? We know what our mission is and we're not going to stop until it's executed. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? So it's just about that team building aspect. You know, you can't, 
a lot of people, I'm self-made, I'm self-made. Like, nah, like, you know, you can you can only go so far. It takes mindset. a village to raise a takes child. It takes a village, my boy. And, yeah. you know, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. So, like, it's, it's validated for sure. Mm. But, I, like, when I look through your Instagram, I see you working with so many fucking different artists. Mm. That's kind of amazing. Mm. Like, like I, I don't even know. I can start listing them off and ask how those relationships come about. But you definitely found yourself in a position where you're working hard enough that you can do a shitload of td stuff and then all this other stuff as well man at that transition phase myself uh it was like 2017 i was doing uh divine feminine for mac miller mm -hmm. i was doing uh oxymoron for q uh i was doing prima donna for finn staples i was doing uh danny brown atrocity exhibition wow um and i was doing i was doing one i was doing yg's a y the yg album and I was spreading myself hella thin, you know. I, I, I'm at this point in my career where like, damn, like, I've gotten to this point in my career where people are now acknowledging my work and mm -hmm. they want a piece of it. They want me to add my two cents to their record. Really? So I'm still doing all the TD stuff, but I'm finding time or I'm making time to try to spread myself thin and do everybody. Cause how, how can I turn these artists down? And all these artists are you like, determined to be in the studio with them during the recording exactly. process as well they're not just passing it exactly. to you afterwards so okay. i gotta spend there's not enough hours in a day for that right so i just i hit a brick wall bro like you know what i'm saying just like i'm staying up late finding you know finding ways to stay up late um and i just hit a complete brick wall bro and just like was deteriorating you know what I'm saying like i just I, you know when you just spread yourself too thin and you just kind of just lose your mind like you're there was no sleeping. There was, you know, no me time. Mm. And, you know, this was a pinnacle time in my career because it could have, I hit a brick wall and I fell hard. You know mm. what I'm saying? Uh, but it, it wasn't until taking that step back and really, you know, going to my mental health and really taking time for myself um, and rebuilding myself, I couldn't understand what I was doing. You know, mm. if you look at my credits from like 2017, from 2013 to 2017 and then 2017 to now, there's a dip in that year because I was like, I was just out of it, you know, just... Like just not complete, not there. You know, really? that makes sense. Yeah. So that was like a real pinnacle moment uh, in, in my personal career because like it was either gonna kill it, like I'm just gonna like completely ruin relationships. No one's gonna want to fuck with me. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not making deadlines because I'm spread too thin. Uh, and you know, I'm just I'm popping pills. I'm just doing a lot that mm -hmm. you know can just like completely kill my career. And then, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you have no way to go up. So, you know, I kind of just, you know, boot my shit up and, you know, just hit the ground back running and kind of revamp everything. So is it just, are you a lot more selective in who you'll decide to work with at this point? 100%. It's just like, I got to the point to where all money isn't good money. Like, you know, I, I'm grateful enough that I had a successful career to where I'm not thirsty for every project. Um, and I have to be very intentional because, like, I, I understand that as quickly and unknowingly I was headed down a dark fucking path, it can mm -hmm. happen again if I don't take care of myself. Right. So I just try not to put nothing material before like my own mental. I saw um, you on the Rap Radar podcast back mm -hmm. in the day and you were talking about working on Nipsey's project mm -hmm. and I think it was probably like less than a year be uh, uh, before he passed. Mm -hmm. um, how did you start working with him? And uh, I mean, I guess we can get to the unfortunate ending to yeah. working with him, but how, how did that relationship start? And it started like 2010, okay. uh, when Nip was like signed to a cinematic to Johnny Shipes and them. Right. Uh, you know, obviously from LA, you know, everyone heard of Nipsey. Um, and at the time, J Rock was really doing his thing. So it was like, you know, red and blue. You know what I'm saying? It was like Nipsey and J Rock. So we go on, a game goes on the LAX tour. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, he puts uh, Nipsey and J Rock on support. 
So that was that tour was the first time. You know, it's 15 of us. It's me, Kendrick, J-Rock, B-Dog. Like, it was all the homies just in a 15. It was 12 homies in a 15-passenger with luggage, just mm. following games, tour bus across the country. Wow. And, uh, and you know, Nip was on that tour as well. And, you know, during that time, it's like we really got to know each other because we have no, you know, we're in fucking Maine fighting, you know what I'm saying, literally in Maine, like fighting homies because game is taking over, like people's like VIPs. Mm. And we're just all brawling together and like just creating this unity on the road. Like this is like L.A. Like we're gonna move as a unit. All these L.A. dudes on a fucking in a a van, bro. What? And like you just you know how big these personalities and egos are. That's bro. just like hard to even fathom. And bro. you're in Maine. In, yeah, out of all places, Maine. You know I grew that? up like a couple hours from Maine. Full <laughs> disclosure, so I'm very aware of this. Yeah. So fucking, uh, you know, that was the first time we really had a relationship, and uh, you know, just being in the circuit. Uh, being in New York a lot with J-Rock when he was doing, you know, when he was really bubbling uh, in those early times and, you know, just just on the same grind. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, it's like on tour. When you look at the when you look at the the, the thing with the names who's on tour, mm. you see the artists behind him. And so it's, we're all just moving as a unit, kind of chasing each other. Um, and then, you know, fast forward some years, you know, he's still working, doing his thing. And then, you know, he ha he just hits me. I'm in New York again. And he calls me like, yo, it's time. Like, victory lap. Um, and I get to L.A., uh, it was the first time that we worked with each other. We'd known each other for years, but mm -hmm. yeah, the first time we worked with each other and we started Victory Lap and it was a long three months, you know. We were all going through shit. Um, you know, we all down there lived at the studio fucking daily, day in, day out, uh, just finalizing this album. You know, me, Nipsey, Mike and Keys, uh, 1500, um, fucking everybody, man. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a moment for sure. Right. You know? Definitely. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that must have been absolutely terrible for you losing them. What, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was surreal, bro, because we literally was just with each other. Uh, we were celebrating the Grammys. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were at, it was me, YG, Nipsey, and, like, we were at Catch and just, like, celebrating. It was just, like, a surreal fucking moment. There's, like, a really epic photo on your Instagram of you guys all, like, you're standing on the yeah, couch yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. You're that, all together, that, and it just, you look so happy, and it's just... And even you see Jeezy right there. It's right. Like pretty you got, crazy You, you got to think, like, you know what I'm saying? We've all seen the hustle from, mm. like, the early 2000s. And now we celebrate Nipsey's, you know, Grammy nomination. Mm. And it's like a real, like, damn, like, we all, you know what I'm saying? Even with YG, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember YG from his, from his AIM account, Trouble Me Pito. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we all just go back. We all were on the grind together. And it's like, for everybody to reach this level of success, it was like, yo, like, it's... You know, it's 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 a great feeling, you know, mm. and you know for that to happen, and especially where it happened at, um, it was just like like what the fuck, like you know, ultimately it was like dang, for one, you're just not safe anywhere, yeah, and two, it was like what, like you know what I'm saying, like what, like what the f like what, um, so you know, it was it was it was hard to accept for a long time, you know, very hard to accept, um, but yeah, man, he's. It was crazy. And you you did the record that he did with Jay-Z that just recently came out? Yeah, uh, off the Judas and Black Messiah soundtrack. Uh, shout out to Archie Davis, uh, brought me in on the project. Um, but it was, you know, it was it was one of those, like, crazy moments because just the, the, the signings of the song, it just sounds like a victory lap. It sounds like, you know what I'm saying, like, like, like we're here, like the Rocky, like on top of it, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, in my mind, how I looked at it, like the mission's complete, but, like, you weren't here for it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it kind of like, it, it kind of made me look at it in perspective like, damn, like, he really served a way greater purpose than like anybody can really fathom because like the impact he left behind, I f like it, the impact he left behind was just, uh, it was just enormous. You mm -hmm. know, it, it, it got, 
I, I can't really. It's it's hard to really explain, man. It, it's 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 like some full circle, like just. Like, it just doesn't make sense, bro. Like, it's just crazy. Was there a different feeling when you're working on a record like that of that enormity that that you know having Jay Z on it and having Nip after he passed and just like how crazy it is that this song even exists? Like, was there was it a somewhat emotional experience for you to be working on it? One hundred percent. It was. It, it was more of like a. a like we're closing this, we're closing this chapter out, like how we started, type mm -hmm. shit. You know what I'm saying? It was more of like, like a, like a, like a celebratory, like, 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 like celebratory type of moment. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, um, but just personally, just working on it, just hearing his voice again uh, on a song, some new, a, a new Nipsey verse. Like it was, you know, it, it was soothing to me. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it almost, it gave you a false sense of like everything's okay. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Until it's until it turned off. Definitely. Um, what was your uh, introduction to Mac Miller like, and, and how much do you oh, work with man. him? That was my dog, man. Um, man, we were fucking, again, we fucking lived at, at Encore Studios doing Divine Feminine for fucking two months, bro. Like, even before that, you know, we called him the, the sixth member, or the, or the fifth member to Black Hippie. Wow. Because, you know, he just he just fell right in, just this young kid that, you know, would just come to the sessions. Fucking, this is when Blue Slide, Blue Slide was the biggest thing ever, right? And he's fucking pulling up just... Fucking just dirty little white kid that's just like got a gold rolly on that's just funny as hell. Like just crack jokes, like he's one of the homies. And um, yeah, man, just during that time, that's you know that was the time I was really going through a lot uh, personally. Mm. Uh, we both were, you know, you know, just he he was, uh, you know, we had to stop mixing the album because he had to go to rehab. Really. Um, so we took a whole month pause, and uh, he did that. And you know, I would go and just get, bring him lunch on every other day. Um, and it was more therapeutic to me than anybody can ever, you know, ever imagine because I needed that break. You know mm. what I'm saying? During that time, like I mentioned, doing everybody's album, you know, he his was the last album that I had to work on before this whole fucking mound of work kind of was finished. And I needed that break because I was just hitting that edge. And, you know, just being able to just talk to him and see him with a clear mind, it, 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 it showed me where I needed to be, you know? Right. You know, so... Uh, he's like, man, it's, it's one of the one of the most genuine dudes ever, man. Mac, like when that one that one that one hurt me harder than 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 anything. Just cause I knew what he was dealing with demon wise and the struggle and you know, uh and just where he was at, man. It like that, that that one probably hurt me the most. There's a lot of people that like end up getting wrapped up with drugs as they enter the music business, whether it's just to stay up late or, mm -hmm. or just to, they think that they need to get fucked up in the studio to be creative or whatever. Um, I think that's like important that you even mentioned that that was something that you dealt with. Yeah. Probably a lot of people deal with the same thing, you know? A hundred percent, man. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's pressure, bro. Like it's a lot of pressure on like, especially nowadays social media, bro. it's a lot of pressure on becoming something that really you're not or pressure to like keep this image of, uh, keep the image of what the masses put you, you know what I'm saying, think of you, and it's, you know, it, 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 it can lead to a dark tunnel, man. We've been seeing it over the past couple of years, you know? Mm. A lot of people just dying and, you know, just not being healthy, and, you know, now that I have a daughter, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's not about me anymore, you know what I'm saying? And it's important for people to know that, you know, for one, mental health is real, two, you can't hide it by doing drugs, you can't sweep that shit under the rug by doing mm. drugs, you gotta really face it, you know what I'm saying? You have to really, face them demons and, you know, I'm sure really come out because, you know, you could really, you could really lose that battle. Like we're seeing people do lose it on a daily basis. How old's your daughter? 
She's four. She's okay. gonna be four in May. And that's changed you a lot. I was hundred percent. You know, I can't fucking stay up to five in the morning and come. You know what I'm saying? And she's she's up at six, hitting my eyelids. Like, are you up? Like, I'm up now, motherfucker. Down. <laughs> that's crazy because when you first start getting in the game, you pretty much have no choice. You got to just be there until the artist wants to leave, you right? Feel me? You feel me? So you know, it 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 calmed me down. I you know I I was one of the engineers that loved getting to the studio at ten a at ten ten at night and work all through the night, go home at nine in the morning. Like, completely mm-hmm. switched my schedule, bro. I'm, I work at 11 a.m. now, be done by like 9, 10. Um, and it just made me more focused. It made me more creative because I'm, I'm clear-minded now. You know, mm-hmm. I have time to rest. Um, I go home and I'm grounded with my daughter, you know, where I, I have a way to disconnect. When some people, even when they leave work, they're still succumbed in emails or mm-hmm. text messages. Like, I could fully disconnect. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, everything happens for a reason. I think she is the reason why I'm embarking into this new journey in my career. What's the, the new journey? Uh, the new journey. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's still the same mission, you know. Still, still, still trying to, you know, just just give knowledge and, and information to the next generation. Um, but through that, you know, like I, tend, I mentioned, uh, the workshops that I do. Yeah. Um, by me doing that, um, you know, I was able to really tap in with early creators and people who potentially are the sound of tomorrow. Right. But as I'm doing that, you know, I'm, I did something that I'm very proud of, which was, you know, ask all of our attendees, you know, as a small business, you know. I look at myself as a creator, as a small business, because I still mix bodies of brand. I do my taxes. I, you know, it's a business. And as a small business, like, what are you all dealing with? You know, what are, what are the some of the antiquated business models? What are some of the problems you are dealing with? Mm. So after a year of traveling the world, you know, we come home and, you know, I take all of this R&D, all these notes, and I'm reading them, and I'm like, yo, these people, these creators around the world are dealing with some of the same shit that I'm dealing with, whether it's tracking payments, whether it's, you know, getting booked instantly, whether it's communications, file transfers. And, you know, I'm like, yo, like, we could build a platform to automate all this, you mm-hmm. know? So that's when this whole moment and transition in my career and everything I've done up to this point kind of made sense in a way where I can give back to the masses mm. without me either traveling the world. I can give back through helping them kind of cultivate and create their own businesses. So, you know, we started engineers. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, engineers was simply just an Instagram where we, I gave, you know, motivational tips. I gave uh, techniques that I've acquired over the years. And then we moved on to workshops. But, you know, as everything grew, our community grew. And, uh, you know, we were able to really give this solution to a problem, which is one part of the music industry that has not shifted since the beginning, you know. Because of the independent music sector in today's time, everything has evolved from but selling beats, uh, getting your stuff uploaded to, to distribution, mm. everything has changed. But the one thing that today drives the industry, and that's how engineers are conducting their business. Mm. So, you know, me being me and the type of guy that I am and, you know, just trying to find a way to create solutions for the problems, I feel like we've done that by creating this platform, Engineers. You know, Engineers essentially um, is a platform. Engineers uh, provides uh, solutions for independent creators to basically streamline and uh, streamline the business and, and manage their business via end-to-end business management solutions. Um, and we've been live for about four weeks now with the actual product, and it's it's been going incredibly well. That's dope. Yeah. Because so. it's, it's such a world that is so complicated that you could, like, almost never figure it out on your own. So, right. it, like, it's the ultimate thing where somebody who is willing to lean in and help you out if you're early on and like understanding this shit it could just be so unbelievably valuable so right. I, I think it makes a lot of sense 100 yeah. percent. and even like a lot, again a lot of the issues that i've dealt with fucking tracking payments uh taxes you know mm. just being on time and paying my taxes you know coming into the game being self-taught like no one broke it down to me like all this money you're making is not all yours right you know so it's creating an infrastructure creating a system and creating a platform 
to really, you know, help these independent creators and these small businesses really sustain their business. It makes sense. I mean, I heard about Bandman Kevo making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on OnlyFans just selling financial literacy advice. I mean, there's clearly a lot of young people who are creative or involved in rap or whatever who have like a real eagerness to understand the business side of things but they want to hear it in a voice or like a context that they feel like they can relate to you know and that not even just that a lot of these artists are really taking ownership into their own hands to where i can still have access to the same people the labels have access to Uh but don't have to give up a big percent of it i can do this shit on my own Mm. so giving access is one of the big things that we provide that Um, kind of information is what the label has that they want you to think you can only get if you go to them. The goal is to even the playing field. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Nowadays in 21st century, you know, with all these platforms being created on a daily basis, there's still nothing cultivated towards one unrepresented business. You know what I'm saying? So a platform created for engineers by an engineer who still deals with these problems, I feel like we've created that social solution, which is engineers. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's that's really dope. Thank you. A lot of people, um, I even saw a YouTube video, uh, I don't know if it came up in your recommended, but the YouTube video is basically like what happened to Black Hippie, Mm -hmm. like why the Black Hippie album never Mm -hmm. came out. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, uh, was there a time period where that could have happened and then it just didn't really happen during that time period and then people kind of moved on? It was, yeah, it was happening. It was was happening. We we worked on Hella Records. but then everybody's individual success started going crazy. Mm, as usually happens. You, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like at that time, Q wasn't really taking off, you know, and then he dropped setbacks. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and then Soul was doing his long-term series. So, you know, as we're like, okay, boom, like, you know, this is how we can kind of bring more, more love to everyone's like kind of, you know what I'm saying, how we can get more eyes and ears on, on all the artists. They start getting their own like movements and traction within the community and in, in, in the industry. So it was just a natural thing of just wasn't no fucking time. Mm. It wasn't no time. And, you know, obviously things just got busier and busier and busier and busier. And then real life came and people started having kids. People started, you know what I'm saying, really start taking time for themselves and only blocking out specific time for sessions. And mm. it just ultimately just, it, it just the timing of it, it, it just didn't line up. I hear you. It feels like part of like the TDE ethos is very much like quality over quantity to the extent where like you might have one of these guys be your favorite rapper and you're not going to hear an album from for like three years quality over quantity facts man um you know it's even it's harder nowadays because you know there's so much music dropping and it's, it's like almost just just dropping music into like a black pit and seeing what survives you know mm. but um you know that's 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 one thing that got us here is quality and it's one thing we try to keep that integrity which is you know all the artists involved with cd is really just you know making sure when they drop it's going to be right you know mm. it's, 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 it's like it's like going back to you know saying like uh, I was watching a social network that Facebook show mm-hmm. or that movie show and it, you know it's one thing that Mark Zuckerberg said in there and he was talking about you know uh, the, the impression as soon as you as soon as a server goes online one time your reputation is, is shot and it's the same thing as soon as you drop a shit project your reputation is really you know what I'm saying it's mm-hmm. shot it puts more pressure on you to really deliver on the next album and the album after that and that pressure could you know can can be detrimental to you know a lot of things. It's such a weird dynamic where, like, when you're unsuccessful, you can put out as much music as you want. But right. then once you're really successful, you're in, like, a prison of your own success where you just, you know, because, it, yeah, if Kendrick dropped an album and didn't properly roll it out, promote it, make sure that it was the quality he wanted, and, right. he, and he sells a lot less than he sold last right. time, people look at it, you know. It's more of a numbers game. That's what I'm telling you. The whole, the whole blog shit was, like, that whole era was, like, you know, that was that's something that, you know, I wish would come back because that really... 
it was a different culture. It mm. was a different, like, just time and music. It wasn't all about being, you know, selling well or whatever. That was very much an era in which, like, you could just like a lot of stuff and you didn't really have any way of knowing how popular mm, it was. Mm, it was mm, just people mm, seemed really mm, genuinely excited about music, facts. yeah. I remember, man, just the Weekend Trilogy, like, all the House of Bloom shit was going through those circuits and, you know, all the early, like, TD stuff. It was just a crazy, crazy. It was a fun time, you know. It was a real fun time. That's a fact. Yeah. So, so you took over uh, an old Death Row studio, and that's mm -hmm. where you're working out of now? Yeah, man. Uh, man, like I said, I've had an amazing career. You know, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for, um, you know, just just the fact that I was, you know, trained by Dre and, you know, the West Coast music being really the soundtrack to my whole life. Uh, it kind of, getting to this point, I'm one of those guys who, like, everything happens for a reason. Right? I'm, I'm chill because I understand it's going to fucking work out some type of way. And how this place kind of just fell in my lap, man, it's... It, it just affirms that everything happens for a reason notion. Like, it's it's crazy. So, you know, uh, um, I, I'm getting, getting calls from a friend of mine, uh, Mac McNeil, and he's like, yo, I ran across this studio that, you know, I think I think you would like. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I'm not in the fucking market for a studio. Like, for one, I know, I know there's a lot of just variables when it comes to building a room. It's, you know, the material's got to be right. The floor and the electrical got to be clean. It's a lot of moving parts. So I'm throwing it to the left. I'm not really, you know, paying in no mind. And one time he's just fucking nagging the shit out of me. And he's like, I'll, I'll bring some weed for you. I'm like, fuck it, I'll come smoke. <laughs> so I pull up to the studio and then he's walking me through the building. I'm like, yo, this shit is like, it's old, bro. It's going to be too much money to put together. Like, I'm straight. And then he finally tells me, man, I, I thought you would have liked it because it's the old Death Row Studios. I'm like, what, motherfucker? Like, why didn't you start with that? I would have, <laughs> no, you told me that when you called me. I would have took it over the phone. So know? that helps the vibe that you know that Suge was like sicking a dog on somebody in <laughs> not, there at some this, point or something. You know? There were some fucked up shit that happened in that building, but it's more it. of like it's more of a full circle moment for me, not mm -hmm. more than just like oh I got a piece of history. That too, but it's more of like damn I'm really following this man's footsteps. Mm -hmm. And being so young, bro, owning this facility, it's like you know it's 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 just a dope feeling. It's like a clubhouse to me right now, like. State of the art equipment, bro. Like anything you could ever think of for a recording studio, we got. You know. So when you work with artists now, are you trying to get them to pull up on you more often than you're trying to, you know, go to their spot? I, it's no try. They pull up. Like okay. it's even before I had the room. Like you know, the relationship I had with artists, which is very important. You know, they they want to come hang out. Like my mm -hmm. sessions are not just like, yeah, we we hang out, we talk. You know, we might take a two hour smoke break. We we're gonna vibe and. That's how I know if I like you, you know, if I could sit there and be with you for 10 hours without having to talk about music. Could we just vibe and talk about life? Mm. You know, that's 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 what I like. So now that I have this facility, you know, it's it's natural. I got homies pulling up just to come watch a movie or chill, you know. Mm. So, you know, I want to make No Name Studios, uh, you know, really, really the pinnacle of sound in Los Angeles. You know, I want to franchise it over time, you know, you know, No Name Miami, No Name Atlanta, you know. Yeah. But for the time being, you know, it's really just for the first time able to you know, have my own facility, you know, and have a vertically integrated business model. Instead of me having to book and rent another studio mm -hmm. to work, I can, I got my bookings there and I got my work there. So, and because we have the startup, we have engineers now, you know, we're hiring developers, we're hiring a full staff now. So now I can have everything housed under one roof. Definitely. Do you uh, aspire to find any talent and sort of do the whole, like bringing an artist up from zero to nothing or to something for, on your own? Is that something you're, you're thinking about? So it's funny you say that. Like it, it, it recently happened just like randomly. I've never had like any just inklings to like start a label or to manage artists. I've always seen that it was just pressure and there's too much dealing with personalities. Like you know, but because of COVID, we had to stop doing our live workshops, right? Mm -hmm. So that you know, I did a deal with Twitch after that. Saw that. Yeah. yeah so for me doing the deal on Twitch, you know, I got into doing a lot of music and community building initiatives with giving away. You know, a mix of mine costs upwards of ten thousand dollars per song. 
So I do things where, like, you know, I have independent artists from around the world submit songs that we play on Twitch, and I have the community pick out the best top 10 songs of that week. Really? And then I go through four weeks of doing that, and then we end up finding one artist where I can give a free mix to. Um, and this one artist that kept fucking winning every single month. Really? Every month. So I'm listening to songs, and the people in the chat are fucking with them, and I, the songs were infectious. Um, he ends up winning the competition. His name is Malik Moses. Um, you know, I fucked with the vibe so much. You know, we flew him to L.A. from New York. He came out. We clicked like a little brother of mine. You know what I'm saying? And we ended up doing a deal. And now we're working on a project just by meeting him on Twitch. Wow. Uh, so we're literally, after this, we literally have a music video to head to that we're shooting to. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Malik Moses, man. I'm super excited to, for him. That's a crazy uh, story. Working on an EP now uh, produced by Terrace Martin, uh, Soundwave, Monty Booker, Groove, uh, Simon Says, uh, mixed by me, of course. Um, so, you know, yeah, randomly um, that came into my life and wow. we're almost done with that project. So be on the lookout for that. Well, you have a great uh, story right there if, yeah. if everything works out. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, yeah, Twitch loves it. Uh, so they're going to get behind it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to really be in this position and really helping new artists on the ground up. I've helped tons of, of big artists kind of develop their sounds and right. help them get to where they are. And this time I could really, really, really do it from the ground up with somebody who's a part of the squad. Mm, definitely. Um, okay, and so just for the record, everything that you mix or, or engineer or anything, you end up getting some percentage of the money from that song. So you basically like is, is every month or every, I don't know how, if it's quarterly or whatever, when you get these checks, is it a, a very nice time to be mixed by Ali when those come in? It's it's the the music industry has just treated me very well. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not uh you're not like some crazy flexing type of dude. You don't choose to spend nah. your money in that way or anything. I I, I try to you know I, I I went to that phase. I'm not gonna act like I haven't. Like okay. early on, obviously no fucking economic training, no financial training. I blew a fuck ton of money. Mm. Um, but now older, bro. Like I have a dog. Like I, who am I gonna impress? Like you know what I'm saying? Like obviously I got you know I have nice things and things that I enjoy, but it's more of like now it's like longevity. Like what can I create that I can give my daughter where she doesn't have to go through this bullshit later mm. on, you know? So it's more about just being more intentional, being smart, and you know being able to create opportunities for family and friends. And you know what I'm saying just I, I've, I've reached this pinnacle in my career where I can really help people, and you know that's what I really want to do. You know and. and you know, I'm grateful to have the career and have, you know, all these things to be able to do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm trying to day by day. Beautiful thing. Yeah, man. Um, anything else that you're aspiring to to do in the near future or anything that the audience out there might not want to know about? How do they follow you on the, the Twitch thing? I feel like they, they, they'd um, be interested in winning that. Yeah, twitch.tv slash mixed by Ali, M-I-X-E-D-B-Y-A-L-I. Um, I'm very excited about our engineers platform. You can uh, go to engineers, E-N-G-I-N-E. E-A-R-S, like engine ears. Yep. Uh, that's the Instagram. Engineers.com is the website. Um, I just want to thank you for having me, bro. Like I said, I've been I've been a fan. I've been watching for a long time. Um, and, you know, just I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. No, for sure. I mean, I think that everything you've accomplished to the people out there is just a, you know, it's like it, it, people understand what being a producer is at this point. I think people understand being a rapper. There's a lot of different ways that you could try to make yourself useful in this game because there's a lot of dope-ass talent that needs your exact service. And 100%. if people out there can kind of train themselves to be able to provide that to, to dope-ass lane, and you've clearly built, like, a big-ass life and business off of it, and it's, it's pretty amazing, man. man. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mixed by Ali. Fuck with your boy. Shout out to Adam. No jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, all good.